What are the long box guys going to do tonight, Brain? The same thing the long box guys do every night, Pinky. Drink and talk about comics. They're useless to taking over the world. Yes. Hit the button, LT, before we lose this magic. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Long Box, guys. With me, as always, are some of my very best friends since I was a very little kid. Josh Apple, how you doing and what are you drinking? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, and I have a Haze, their Peach-tastic IPA from Treehouse Brewing. It's like peach. Never did. Mikey, how you doing and what you drinking? It looks like I'm going on a limb here. The cider. Uh, you are correct. I am drinking a uh, watermelon cider from the Tennessee Cider Company. Still working on getting Josh some more bottles. You're welcome. You are, like, are you on a subscription with them? <laughs> How you, many did you bring back from Tennessee? Don't you don't know me. You, I, I was like, you know what? If, if the bandit can do it, I can do it. <laughs> I am, I am northeast, north south bound and down. Load it up and, and I'm going. I, I, Janet kept on asking why I called her the Iceman the whole way back, but the hell with that. Well, it's Snowball. You were close. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. And I was wondering whoa. why you called your wife Snowball, too, but. <laughs> but it all makes sense. It all makes sense. That was the woman before my wife. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember uh, that conversation, and it was awesome. <laughs> Long story short. You had the good sense to marry yours. <laughs> LT, how are you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing okay. I'm drinking some Grainstone's 12-year-old scotch, and it is delicious. It sounds delicious. I myself have what we call a strange tale, uh, which is uh, three different scotches I just happen to have near the bar, and I pour them all in a glass. Delicious. Kind of. <laughs> If nothing else, it's really going to help me sleep tonight. Speaking of sleeping tonight, tonight we're going to be talking about The Sandman. At least our good friend LT is. And we're going to be talking a little bit about, about Neil Gaiman Sandman. And we're talking a little bit about the uh, the new TV show, which I finally started watching. I've been uh, two episodes in. And uh, it's good. I mean, good, good, good. Good writing, good visuals. More expensive looking than I thought it might be. It's, uh, I had a good time. LT, why don't you give us a little background on Neil Gaiman's version of, of the Sandman? Good, it's not so, what we're doing. We're doing not. no, we're doing Garrett Sanford, Jack Kirby's Sandman. So next you week, guys, we're you doing guys Morpheus. Doing Jack Kirby's Sandman. Doing my own. I thought we were doing Neil Gaiman's Sandman this week. No, no. we were going in chronological order. Oh, yeah, uh, no, we we're in the. All right, you're right. We're doing. Uh, Who's Sandman again? <laughs> Jack Kirby and Joe Simon created. And who's Jack Kirby again? The Sandman back in the nineteen seventies. Nineteen seventies Sandman. That's yeah. good because that'll lead into the show a little bit because some of the iconography is uh, directly related to that. Tom LT, would you like to tell yeah. us a little bit about Jack Kirby? I would love to. I would love to. He was created back in like uh, nineteen seventy-two. In 1976-ish, uh, it, you know. it didn't take four years to create them. Well, that's when he was. <laughs> run, that's when the run was. <laughs> Man, we got to get this character nailed down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Let's be back here on Thursday. Everyone with three ideas. 
and no <laughs> wrong answers. It's created in the 70s, all right? It's a product of the 70s just like the rest of us. So for those of you who are wondering who Jack Kirby and Joe Simon are, they were also the creators of Captain America. Jack Kirby was one of the most prolific writers and creators of comic book history. He and Stan Lee basically created Marvel Comics from scratch. And then in the 1970s, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby had a split. Kirby went over to D.C. where he created The Fourth World, Dark Side, and all those guys, and... Then uh, he decided to team up with his old partner, Joe Simon, and create. Take it away, LT. Created the Sandman. Uh, first appearance is in, uh, let's see. Sandman number one? Nin- Sandman number one, 1974. Um, and he also had uh, two assistants, Brute and Glob, and they traveled in the time stream. Yeah. Or the. Uh, uh, yeah, right now, not the time stream, the dream stream. The dream stream. Uh, quick so, aside, real quick, who can name some of Jack, Kir- Jack Kirby's real name and some of his aliases? Because he has like seven of them. Anybody? I don't uh, know, Bor- but I know in the 90s, the dream stream had like Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, The Fridge, Perry. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry, Elsie. So, Go on. But, so this, uh, really, this really wasn't one of like Kirby's more famous creations. I mean, like, like he has done so many more popular things than this, and yet, you know, this is just like tiny little thing. And Neil Gaiman wanted to kind of bring this back, and DC was like, "No, no, we want you to do something totally different," which will lead into next week. But you well, know, it was the elevation of Sandman to a, a mystical being rather than right, rather than a superheroish, than a tertiary effect, right of yeah. of that incarnation. And so you also have to remember that in order to maintain copyright, comic book companies have to have to republish reduce. their characters every once in a while and refresh them. Otherwise, they lose the rights to them. So they're you have they to need do something to, new and fresh. No, they could publish back well, issues. It doesn't matter as long as they're still publishing. They maintain those rights. So uh, Kirby's idea for the Sandman, I, I'm sure DC was like, "Oh, we haven't had a Sandman comic in a while. That sounds great. Whatever you want, Jack." Because it was only supposed to be one issue, but sales were so great for it. They were like, let's do more. And then there weren't great. So, because uh, have you have you if you've read any of Jack Kirby's stuff, you know Jack Kirby really liked psychedelic shit. And the Sandman I think is a great example of some psychedelic shit where he was like, you know, it's all in the dreaming and the dream stream where brute and glob are hanging out and they're actually nightmares that are under control by the sandman and he's stopping bad things from happening he had a, oh that's really cool and then he introduced the nightmare wizard and they're like that's the worst name ever and we're gonna have to 
We're going to have to unrubber. If there was a rubber stamp here, I, I'm taking it away. I think he was just making a fairy tale for children, right? That's what the Sandman originally was. So he was just taking it to the superhero realm, right? Either that or the acid trip wore off. I, I don't think it was acid. I'm pretty sure that's all pot. Okay. Uh, uh, who knows? Who knows? A, anyway, not judge. It was the early, it was the early seventies, and uh, and they were they made it. You know, it would it was the uh, sort of the the drag on of the late sixties. The costume was awful. And, oh lord, I'm looking yeah. up right now. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's bad. It's, bad. it's Ultraman bad. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But what it did was it, it was it kept the dream. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. It kept the dream alive. Kept the dream alive. <laughs> but it did. It kept the dream alive. That's really what it did. It, it, it kept the the property in DC's hands long enough for someone to find it and give it a, a, a its proper due. Or or what? I don't think not its proper due, but something that nobody expected out of that property. Right. Yeah, so after Kirby wrote the uh, Kirby and Simon teamed up, so Joe Simon wrote the first issue. Kirby drew uh, the issue, and then um, Wally, Wally Wood took over uh, the pencils, and uh, somebody else took over writing after the first issue. Uh, Michael Fleischer. So, although people paid for the Simon Kirby. Like, there was kind of a bait-and-switch, right? Everybody thought, okay, this is what it's going to be, and then they got somebody, a different team, creating it. Uh, so it didn't last very long, but it did have an impact on comic book writers. Uh, Roy Thomas used this in his um, Infinity Incorporated series, uh Paul Levitch used it in the Justice League. And, uh, you know, Neil Gaiman famously used it in the Sandman series. He made it part of the mythology uh, of the whole dreaming and explained why Garrett Sanford was the way he was. Um, so the, the basis for this character is a little shoddy, but... As you go along, the the other writers and artists fill in the gaps that make this character much more important than he ever was when he actually was had his own comic. His own property, yeah. Um, Josh, I think I just smelled your dog's fart. <laughs> That's how bad that was. It's a, I lit a candle in here. And it's not. It's not quite in a good fight. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, th yeah, this is sort of like one of those pillar properties where it, in and of itself, it, it didn't have enough value to carry the book itself. But a lot of people took that rendition and then started branching out from here, and that's sort of where we get our, our modern version of Sandman. I didn't actually, I, I, I'm going to say I perused through some of these books because reading them did not seem like a great idea to me. LT, <laughs> did you read any of them? I did not read any of the Jack Kirby Sandman books, but I did read uh, a book that somebody had written using that character. 
that was on DC Infinite. The Justice so, League ep- uh, or the Infinity Incorporated? No, it was an actual Sandman book um, oh. on DC Infinite. But I forget, it was like it was like Jack Kirby Sandman like special. It was done by somebody else. Uh, I read some of those books back in the day. I remember the costume. Uh, even though I wasn't very prepared for this one because I thought we were doing the other Sandman. Uh, yeah. I did read some of those way back in the day. I remember Bruton Lop and uh, at the time, I was younger and uh, they captured my imagination. I enjoyed them, but they were definitely not my go-tos. Uh, but if I saw them in a stack, you know, I always went through them. So they're they're actually kind of hard to get. Uh, the uh, you can find them on eBay, but the uh, Sandman number one by Simon and Kirby is going to cost you way more than the story that you're going to get out of it. Uh, the other ep- uh, issues are a little easier to, to find. Although I think what was cool about it, too, in the... It, it's it's for a child, and it's, you know, that's what the story was. It's for children uh, to tell the story of Garrett Sanford, who's like a hero uh, in the dream stream that he has two nightmarish helpers um, uh, Root and Bob and he's trying to protect children in their dreams from being injured by this what was it a wizard the nightmare wizard yeah it's it's not great but later on Sanford does make a couple of appearances the first you're going to talk about Wonder Woman uh, no, I was going to talk about Infinity Inc. Okay, well, let's start with Wonder Woman though, because that's his okay. first appearance outside of that. He makes some appearances in Wonder Woman, uh, where he's talking to Steve Trevor and uh, Diana Prince, and um, it kind of makes like a a veiled reference that. Uh, Diana has inappropriate dreams. <laughs> really? Yeah, so like he sees her dreams and is like you you need to calm down. <laughs> um and then he also makes an appearance in the Justice League uh where Dr. Destiny has captured him, which plays perfectly into the Sandman series later on where they talk about Dr. Destiny and also about Garrett Sanford. And Garrett Sanford has gone insane, and that's when LT series he was going to talk about takes over. Yeah, so Sandman appears in Infinity, Inc., like number 49 and 50. Uh, One of the members of Infinity, Inc. has, like, died, but he's not really died. He's gone into the dreaming, and he takes over the role as Sandman, because he can appear for an hour each night, and he does so to his the love of his life, Lyda from Infinity Inc. Uh, and you know, Nucleon thinks that you know there's some creep hanging out by this girl that he loves, and so he battles Sandman, and yet it's really, you know, the the guy that loves Lyda that loves that Lyda loves and it's this whole big thing and uh and such 
So, so it's like a different incarnation of Sandman. Right, and but Hex- it's Jack Kirby's character Sandman, but it's not Garrett Sanford. Right, so Hector Hall, who, in, after a Crisis on Infinite Earths, they combined Earth 1 and Earth 2 into one storyline, right? There, were, there was no separation. So the Golden Age Wonder Woman was Queen Hippolyta, and she had sex with Steve Trevor in World War II. They had an Amazonian daughter, Lyda, uh, who was half Amazonian. Hector Hall is the son of Carter Hall and Shira Hall, Hawkman and Hawkwoman. And he was originally the Silver Scarab. Um, he dies, but he doesn't die. He goes into the dreaming, and he can spend one hour at a time with the love of his life. Lyda is also pregnant with a baby that she got pregnant by Hector, um, while he was in the dreaming, which all plays into exactly how Neil Gaiman puts it into the Sandman, and even in it, not to spoil too much for the TV show, you're going to see there's Hector Hall and Lyda are characters in there along with the Brute and Glob, although Brute and Glob are kind of melded into one uh, character. But um, so that whole storyline kind of plays out in the Neil Gaiman Sandman and also in the Netflix TV show. And I think one of the things we see as the as Kirby sort of trails off his time at DC Comics to go back to Marvel, he's actually in sort of the last maybe unknowingly six eight, nine months before he leaves DC, he's still writing uh, DC Comics and planning on going. He's in negotiations to return to Marvel. He's not, so he's not at DC very long. But what some of the stuff he leaves behind is he leaves all... So he sort of mentioned the, the bait and switch, right, for Kirby uh, as he starts writing this book and it gets immediately put on to other, another writer and another artist because Kirby's already negotiating going back to Marvel at this point. But what he leaves, he leaves DC with a couple of important things, a, a roadmap for what he thought the Sandman character was going to become, which sort of is what Neil Gaiman picks up and carries off into what we know as the Sandman today. But more importantly for DC as a company, he had already floated and sort of succeeded in showing DC the idea or the concept of trade paperbacks, of collected works. And before Kirby goes back to Marvel, DC sort of catches this and starts doing trade publications before Marvel does and sort of gets a jump start on that as from an industry perspective based on, on what Kirby thought the market would bear and do. And one other side note, Ambush Bug wears <laughs> Garrett Sanford's costume and tries to become the sidekick for Morpheus. Uh, and Ambush Bug, nothing special, which is, if you're going to read any of the Garrett Sanford comics, <laughs> don't read the Ambush Bug, uh, nothing special. Why not? That's no, because Ambush Bug's hilarious. 
Oh, I thought you said don't read. I'm like, are you crazy? That's no, no, no. Read stuff. Ambush Bug. Nothing special. Yeah. Don't read any of the other stuff. There you go. Okay. Just read yeah. Ambush Bug. Yeah. I love you, Ambush Bug. Uh, I say my rosary to you and to you alone. Dead partner. Dead partner. Dead partner. Toy wonder. It's a horrible thing, but it sells comics. Horrible thing, but it sells comics. And you get yeah. shot a lot of uh, a lot of days of work, right, Mikey? Well, I took leave. <laughs> well, I took leave. I'm not a monster. <laughs> um, um, does anyone have any last words on this character? No, yeah, she's correct. Yeah, the, I, I think this is the dawning of the age of something that Neil Gaiman picks up and becomes really something special for DC Comics. I mean, really, really the, the heart, the heart of, uh, of a, a huge branch of DC, the books of magic, the, the whole sort of in quotes, dark version of, of the DC universe has, has something to do with Neil Gaiman. And, and I, uh, yeah, that's what I love about DC the most space yeah. and magic. <laughs> I think you're right there because there really does seem to be like a, a feeling that Neil Gaiman took a lot from this and just ran with it. Yeah, and uh, he was he was told to run with it, so yeah. yeah. And, and like when you tell Neil Gaiman to run, like he he does not stop. Just one gorgeous motherfucker running with an idea that was like, like, yeah. like a goddamn gazelle. Yeah, like in Montana, you can watch him run for four days and five days if you're standing on a tuna can, just right. majestic. So if you guys are interested in our take on Neil Gaiman Sandman, we're going to be talking about the Netflix series next week. So I join got, us. I, I need to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Well, I guess I guess to the <laughs> front of the long box, Mike. What do you got at the front of the long box, Mike? At the front of the long box, I have One Star Squadron by the fifth long box guy, friend of the podcast. Probably Tom's best friend, Mark Russell, Eisner Award Mark. winning. Um, it is. But Josh has him on speed dial. Why is he my best friend? <laughs> sure, Josh does have him on speed you declared, dial. I did you... apologize for falling asleep on him. <laughs> <laughs> not literally. I did not know it could do that. <laughs> I fucking fell asleep. Literally, if you watch the episode, Josh kind of goes out for a sec. Because he just. Not a sec. Like, I, I was out. trying to be nice. No, no, he <laughs> fell asleep during yeah, the interview, asleep. but he didn't fall asleep on him physically. That's what I meant. No, no I did not. No, we're on different coasts, thankfully, for Mark's sake. How far did you drive that day in your defense? Yeah, I, I mean, it was a long – I had, like, broken down a campsite and drove, and drove like, eight hours. And I got home and jumped right on the podcast. I was like, yeah, I'm ready to do this. I'm going to have a beer. And I had a half a beer, and I was like – he was out. out. Great. <laughs> Fucking out. All right, so friend of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mark Russell has done One Star Squadron. It is uh, his take on what superheroes would do in order to make a living if you were not a Justice Leaguer. And it's uh, incredible as always. The heroes are... Some of them are B-level. Some of them are, like, D-level. And not only are they 
out for hire for if you need a superhero, but they'll also do cameo appearances for you. They will. They're doing telemarketing. The heckler, by the way, is super good at telemarketing. I bet. Why you want this? Sell me this pen. Red Wolf. I missed the heckler. Red Wolf, horrible at it, but the heckler Uh, really good at it. Uh, Minuteman is uh, tired of the corporate uh, shenanigans and believes he should make more money. Red Tornado is the. CEO of the or the the current CEO of the company, and uh, but it looks like Power Girl's gunning for his job. So, <laughs> uh, if you're interested in anything that Mark Russell does, which we all are, we're gonna again highly recommend you check out One Star Squadron. And what's I the Ryan Stilt Man just wash windows? He could be knocking these things out. He's a he's a freaking electrical engineer. Why is he just working as an electrical engineer? Those guys make like two hundred bucks an hour. Yeah, because it's a yeah. lot easier to just reach into people's windows and take shit. Because he All built right. a stilt man outfit. Did Once he built a stilt man outfit? <laughs> what are you gonna do with it? Did he? <laughs> Tommy, what are you in the back of the lot box? I have Joe Cooper presents. Uh, this is, you know, back from 2013. Uh, what was what was that name again? Joe Kubert. One more time. Joe Kubert. Kubert. Yeah. I feel like you're saying it. I don't know. Kubert. Yeah. I think it's Kubert, but it could be Kubert. I don't know. I don't know. Can you spell it? I'm not a linguist. I really don't know what you're saying. I'm not K U B E R T. Kubert. Kubert. Maybe Kubert. All right. Anyway, uh, so this is a, an anthology series that, you know, Joe Kubert put together. Kubert. Joe. Joe put together. Okay. Don't encourage him. Joe put together of uh, him and people that he uh, has, uh, has fondness for back when he was alive. Because in case you're wondering, I just looked it up. It's Kubert. Kubert. Okay. This should be of interest to you, Tom, because this has definitely got World War II stuff in it, right? Yeah, I was oh, going to say, this is a fantastic Navy storyline from World War II. Isn't it? Go that, on. That was, that was drawn and written by a person that was actually serving on a Navy vessel, the USS Defense. Oh, cool. So, but it's an anthology story, like... like Different, uh, different artists have taken on different pieces, and it was good. Um, like Salary four issues good. in, yeah. still great. How many issues altogether? Uh, there's like six issues on DC Infinite. So, Kubert right. uh, uh, started his own school, which is probably the most famous comic book school right. there but, is. So, but also, he he famously. Like made Sergeant Rock what it was. Yeah, uh, his covers. Like his covers. If you look at his covers from the 1960s, they're all fucking amazing. And a lot of the, you know, and he did mostly war comics, uh, but it was prolific and all that stuff. It did something in Vermont, right? And uh, he also did a lot of work on Hawkman. Work. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, the Joe Kubert School of Cartoon and Graphic Art and a, is in Dover, New Jersey. Dover, New Jersey. I don't like it being in Vermont. There's probably a Dover, Vermont. Probably. Might be a Dover. That might be it. Uh, I do remember some of these covers and some of these comics from uh, way back in the day and some of the stuff you did in Sergeant Rock and those war comics. And you're right. I do love those. So I will give that a look. That sounds really good. Thank you, LC. Yeah. I think you would really like the uh, the Navy story that was going on. Nice. I fallen into a, a weird rabbit hole of studying uh, cats on Navy ships who got actual promotions. I have read three books on the subject so far, and I am not stopping. There are still more things to research. So Connecticut, uh, at their National Guard Armory in Hartford, has uh, the most decorated canine they have a display to him uh this, this fucking dog won a bronze star a purple heart um it, uh, i can't remember what the canine's name is but i'll, I'll find out and i'll tell everybody next week but yeah, they've got a whole display and when i was walking past it uh i just stopped dead in my tracks i was like wait a second Somebody's got to explain this to me <laughs> before we take another step. Uh, but the, the Connecticut National Guard Armory in Hartford, really cool if you get a chance to go tour it. They have a lot the, of The stuff. next time I visit you at your place, Mikey, we're definitely going because that sounds awesome. Yeah. I, I love that kind of stuff. I love seeing you know animals that have served. Uh, we had a bear that served as an artillery sergeant for a while. That's actually true. Uh, and it's cool, and it's uh, great. But that's very tangential, and I apologize for that. Tangents are your thing, Josh. What do you got for us today? I think earlier we were talking about the uh, the bait and switch, right? So where it, it, it doesn't matter if it's movies, TV, wherever, what was the worst bait and switch for you? Like where you were like, oh, I can't wait for this, and all of a sudden you were like, what? what? Highlander oh, 2? Oh, <laughs> Mike. Mike. You can't just... Man. Oh, that hurt, brother. <laughs> <laughs> the gr- on, you did like Mario Peebles? Was that Mario Peebles in that one? Mario yeah. Van Peebles? That might have been First three. of all, there's a van in his name. And it's Mario down Van the River. First off, there should be a van in there somewhere. What the hell? It's not a noble title. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He brought it up. Like, you can't say Mario Peebles without thinking about a van. Yeah. This is what he's living in now. <laughs> like he's made a movie in seven years. Right. I always think of him from Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood. Oh, that was good. He was good in that. Yeah. You know what he, he wasn't was good, good at? It. Highlander 2. <laughs> he was not. Highlander. Bait and switch. I agree with you, Mike, 100%. It's hard to come up with a better example than that. I I was in a major city when uh, doing a medical while I was in the Army, and I got to go see it. And I came back and told everybody in my unit, all the geeks, I was like, do not fucking go see Highlander 2 when it comes out to the movie theaters over here. 
It is the worst piece of fucking garbage you will ever see. And they all thought I was fucking with them. So I would be the only one who got to see this masterpiece of a movie. So I remember, That's your plan? I remember <laughs> plan hearing when Highlander 2 was coming out, I was in an Aikido class at UMass. And somebody was like, yeah, I can't wait. Highlander 2 is coming out. And I'm like, Highlander 2? They made a second one? I thought there could be only one. <laughs> there should have been. Literally... <laughs> The and the fucking really logo, the theme of the first movie. Once again, LT went to sleep at like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning after you wrote that joke. God damn it, LT. How long have you been sitting on that? All right, well, let's, let's move on from Highlander 2. We've, we've all recovered from it. What do you guys got for the bait and switch? Uh, DCBU mortgage servicing? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something about uh, comicsology. Also fair. <laughs> well, uh, for me, like I, I, I'm beating a dead horse to death, but the I Frankenstein movie, which I so love the book, and the movie was just such a piece of crap. Which is funny because I did go back and rewatch it because I thought, all right, Tom, come on, forget the book. Thought maybe there was a better edit somewhere. No, I thought, I thought, like, if you forget the book, see if that movie's actually fun without the book. It's not. <laughs> I, I gave it a shot. I wanted to be uh, nice. Also, I was uh, in LARP world, which nobody understands. Uh, I was asked to be a security uh, person. And uh, the uh, one of the autocrats, one of the people running it was a friend of mine. And she dropped out. And someone I didn't know was in charge. I'm like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> Total bait and switch. Ended up being a pretty fun event. Despite the fact that it was dry as shit. So... Well, it was dry as shit, but everyone was pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, that's kind of like when you, Tom, asked me to park cars in an SCA event, but really it was a lure to get me there to, to give me an award. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and yeah. that was a big switch. You deserve that award because you were great. Yeah. I remember that one time that Tom said I was going to be the referee on a wrestling tour <laughs> with Tom and Josh. Turned out I was a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, I told Mikey that he was going to be a referee, and he just had a tour with this wrestling company. And as soon as he got to San Francisco, I'm like, hey, we found a referee. I guess you're going to have to wrestle me as John Pierre Labutt. What the <laughs> fuck did you pick? <laughs> uh, and the Gimme Gimme Groupie, and you were a pro wrestler for like a month of your life. It's amazing. It's great stories it great out of it. Month. It was a great month. Yeah. Admit it, asshole. Oh, no, no. Admit. The, the tour itself was shit, but oh, the shit. stories we got out of it were amazing. Yeah. Josh, we'll trade for anything. Josh, you got a bait and switch? So, Josh, you got a bait and switch that Tom pulled on you? I mean, don't say the radios, asshole. I can't. You know, I can't say that without getting angry. Like, you want me to just? I like, I will just start punching things right now. So let's not get into that. I will start punching things. That was the uh, name of my last sex tape. <laughs> I'm just going to, to be safe, I'm going to go with uh, 
the first five seasons of Game of Thrones versus the rest of it. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait. Can I go back and, and change mine to the... What was the name of that terrible TV show that we liked, LT? The Specials? What? No, The Specials the, was a movie with, uh, like, Mystery right. Men. With the girls who had all the superpowers in Victorian... Oh, England. oh, uh... The, oh, The uh, Nevers. The Nevers. The Nevers. <laughs> wow, that was oh a fucking my God. Jesus Christ. What are those people thinking? The first six... I think it's six episodes, maybe, were amazingly good. And then, what the shit am I watching? What the, what the fuck? fuck? Why are they shoving uh, shit down my throat and telling me it's cock? So bad. I don't know why I said that. So bad. But it was terrible. It's fucking terrible. I mean, but yeah, Game of Thrones, like, Jesus fucking Christ, guys. Like, what the fuck were you fucking thinking, you motherfuckers? Like, great. And then, yeah. Can I can I modify mine to Stephen King's It? Because that was amazing yeah. up until the end. Yeah, oh, it's a giant wait, wait, spider. The... Did you just fucking say that out loud, Stephen King? Did you just spend the whole time scaring me with a clown? Legs, <laughs> fuck you with a giant spider. Wait, the book of the movie? Yes. Yes. Mm. But anyway. Uh, I, changed the, I guess when I read the book, I changed it. <laughs> yeah. So let I me mean, tell you. Scarier. Let's go off on a tangent on this tangent. Let me tell you about Sergeant Stubby, uh, who is the most famous military decorated dog from World War One. <laughs> Sergeant Stubby. Sergeant Stubby went on four offensives, seventeen battles in total. Served wait, wait, eighteen. World War, World War again. World War One. He would run out into no man's land, and would find wounded soldiers who were still alive and would bark for the medics to come over and rescue those wounded soldiers. So and for those who don't know what No Man's Land was in World War One, right? There was a a juxtaposition line, right, of trenches between the Allies and and, and Western Europe that was just there was nothing in between them. Like it was literally just mud and razor wire, and almost and nobody crossed gas. it. And for, I mean, it was on just an unbelievable death show. If you went up into no man's land, and this dog was out there finding people. Sorry, Mike. No, that's that's okay. He got a purple heart because he was wounded by a grenade. Um, and he survived a grenade. Yeah, he was. He eventually, after he was retired, met three U.S. presidents. Uh, uh, and there is an animated film called Sergeant Stubby, an American Hero, that came out in 2018. So, oh, that's not Yeah, I'm on it. Yeah. So, Sergeant Stubby. There you go. Oh, my God. There's more I found. Oh, Judy? Uh who served in the Navy. Oh, we're going to have to do this weekly <laughs> for a while. I got a whole bunch of fucking hero dogs to talk I the about. Cats covered. You do the cats. I'll do the dogs. You do a cat next week. Next week. I'll do a dog. All right. Uh, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We don't go on a high note there, but let's go over to, to plugs. Uh, anybody got anything to plug? Anything coming up? Guys? Well, I would like to plug Sergeant Stubby. If you are the Connecticut National 
God, aren't we? You should fucking go see that. We're going to all go to that, right? We're going to cry like little assholes. Everybody should watch the Sergeant Stubby movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to watch it tonight, too, and I'm going to cry. Have a Gatorade hand. Fuck. (laughs) This is like the boy in the striped pajamas, but with dogs. Fuck me. And speaking of Jack Kirby, which we weren't speaking of, I'd like to thank Kirby Crackle for providing our geek rock music every week. You can check them out at KirbyCrackleMusic.com. And if you're wondering what music, it's because you're watching us on YouTube. Go ahead and listen to our podcast, which occasionally I produce. Um, although I am like three episodes backed up. Uh, I'm, I got a little bit of producer constipation, but we'll, we'll be getting those out. I'd like to this close to the constipation joke. Like, damn it. I'd like to thank geekorthodox.com. 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 Hello, Tammy. Geekorthodox.com. Reveos are fine. Stained glass prints and Johnny Skywalker rock glasses. You don't have it, LT. You're doing you're doing Clayface. You're not doing Bane. Yeah. Well, he's an actor. Back door. Back door. Still don't have it, George. I, I can't get. I gotta. I gotta That's get. Hey, face, and you're not doing it right. I gotta. I gotta. Anyway, geekorthodox.com for tons of geeky things. If you want t-shirts, you gotta go to ianlino.com for all of your t-shirt needs and baseball caps and such. Fuck yeah! Yeah. And don't forget the Harley Quinn cartoon because you want to have your pasta make off. I just died. I guess that's it for pod. You know what I mean? Uh, cards coming up? Now, great stories, books, and games right here in White and Soul, Massachusetts. Great comic shop, great game shop. Stop in, uh, grab, your, uh, grab your pull list, sit down, play a few games, and also... New York Comic Con. If you like Ian Leno and you love uh, stained glass, stop in at New York Comic Con, uh, October sixth to the ninth. Uh, I might be. Um, I might be helping out Thursday and Friday, and then I'll be home for the weekend. So. Uh, no, I, I no. Uh, Violet and her kids are coming up, so. Uh, but I might. I might help out Thursday and Friday. So stop at New York Comic Con if you want to. Uh, I don't know. Did we did we submit for New York Comic Con, guys? We did. I haven't heard back. We always get waitlisted for New York Comic Con, so we're not every be year. Here. But uh, stop by Yelino's booth. We'll uh, come find us, and uh, I will give you I will give you stuff from the long box, guys. Damn right you will. And don't uh, don't forget our Patreon Patreon page. Uh, which is the long box guys backlash maybe forward slash I can never remember at patreon.com it costs just a dollar a month dollar oh, yeah, a month. dollar a month I know right that's the price of a hand job with a tender one back in 1972 and uh, that would anyone would have paid you would have paid much more much more uh, just for that price and all the money does go to the Elizabeth Peabody house which is a great a uh, little uh, uh, food bank that helps so, so many people in the Massachusetts area, and they are so very happy that you do, do that. What's this podcast like to you, Tom? This podcast to me, um, uh, I guess it's like drunk history, but for comics. What? 
and LT, New York Comic Con, is that your sector? Uh, well, it probably won't be my sector, actually, but um, yeah. And Josh, do you have any last words of wisdom for us? I do, Tom. And you know what I always say? I say, promote what you love, don't diss what you hate, because that's what makes us better people. Go Damn on right. with the world and, uh, and bring a smile somewhere. Fuck, fuck bad energy. Damn right. In the ass with a two-by-four. And no, Josh, <laughs> uh, I'm Mike. Mike, do we leave something for you? Yeah, go have shots with the long box guys. Boom! Shot, 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 shot. Thank you for the long box guys. Have a great night. Bye bye. On the road, we're going-